Welcome to the Connected Podcast. This is Hannah, Lydia, and Simon. We're three friends from the UK and beyond discussing how the Bible connects to life as a teen today. So stick around for hilarious banter, Bible talk, topics you want to hear about, and people you can relate to, or at least we hope so, and plenty of random shenanigans. Really, though, we ultimately want you to be equipped with biblical truth and boldness to go out into the world and be grounded in your faith. Now, Daryl is away, as always on our James episodes, but he is here by spirit and social media, so do say hello to him. We know that he would appreciate that. Hi, Daryl. Hello. So, if it's possible, go ahead and grab your Bible and open it up or bring up your Bible on your app, on your phone, and turn to James chapter 4, and we're starting with verse 1. You can follow along with us and even write down some of your own observations or notes on your app or in a journal. Let's go ahead and dive into our first question, as we always do, which is, what does it say? But before we read the passage... I want to find out what our observation tip of the week is. So, Lydia. So this week's observation tip is to pay attention to the cross-reference notes in your Bible. Now, if you're not super familiar with this, a cross-reference is the tiny wee letter or number that you might see next to a word or verse in your Bible. And then at the bottom of the page, or sometimes it's in the middle column, there's another reference. These kind of work like footnotes. So these references are connected by a similar phrase or word or theme. And now the Bible wasn't originally written in English, so it might be the same word in the original language, but not in English. So it might look different in English, but believe us, it's it's connected. Um, so for an example, many people would say that James is like a commentary on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount because of all the parallels that are in the book and in the sermon. So cross-references would take you to these verses in the book of Matthew. They're super helpful when you're trying to understand the passage in the whole context of the Bible, which you've heard us talk about again and again here on the Connected Podcast. Or if a passage quotes another part of scripture, cross-references can help you find that original passage. Because when you're reading the New Testament, it doesn't say, as it says in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 3, whatever the quote is. So the cross-references help you to find those original verses in the Old Testament. So this was your observation tip of the week. We hope these observation tips are helpful as always. So let's go ahead with that in mind and read our passage. So again, we're in James chapter four, starting with verse one. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. 
Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So that is our scripture passage for the week, and it is always good to hear what God has to say to us. So if we go ahead and dive into our first question to help us understand this, we're looking at what does it say? Simon, you want to kick us off? Sure. Verses one to three give the context. They shows the situation that James was speaking or writing into while verses 4 through to 10 are the meat of the passage. Excellent. Um, Another thing that we observed here is that there are a few quotes um, that come from other places in scripture um, or other verses. One of these is in verse 5, or at least it appears to be so, and one of these is in verse 6. So when we looked at our cross-references, we found the quote in verse 6 is from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34. But when we looked or tried to look for the quotes that's in verse 5, because most Bible versions will have part of that verse in quotation marks, we had to do a little bit more digging. It wasn't as straightforward. Our Bibles had a couple cross-references to passages in 1st and 2nd Corinthians that talk about God's spirit within us, but those weren't direct quotes. They were more just related by theme. So in comes our handy friend Google and trusty commentaries. And for sake of time, we're not going to tell you the whole story of how we came to our conclusions, but the general consensus was that James is not actually quoting a specific verse in scripture in this verse number five, but he's more referring to the Bible's teaching as a whole. Um, And we'll find out that the explanation for what James is referring to there is actually divided as well into two different camps. But we'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a bit. So just hang tight on that. But just as a note, you do have to be careful when you're looking things up on Google because obviously Google is not a Christian. So you can't Good. You can get a lot of different opinions from him and not all of the ones that you're going to find are also going to be from believers. So it can be a really helpful tool, but just be careful what um, what you're finding out and what you're taking in from it as well. So, yeah. That's super interesting, Hannah. Thanks for all those tips and those thoughts on cross-references and Google and all that. Um, another observation that I saw was that there are quite a lot of command statements in this passage. So to name a few, it says, submit yourselves to God. It says, draw near to God, cleanse your hands, resist the devil. These are all commands that we are to obey. But at the same time, there are promises that God gives us here too. And promises like this, that God gives grace to the humble. That the devil will flee from those who resist him and submit themselves to God. That God draws near to all those who draw near to him. 
that God will exalt those who humble themselves. All of these are promises that God gives us in his word that we can hold on to. Yeah, and James calls the people adulterous at the start of verse 4. So the question has to be, what's that all about? Uh, it seems like quite a, a, a harsh uh, way to address the people. We'll delve into that in a little bit. So was there anything else that you noticed or um, popped out to you? Go ahead and take this time right now to pause the podcast if you can and write down your own observations that you see about this passage. Um, And then join us again in a second for our second section, What Does It Mean? So if we jump right into question number two, what does it mean? Let's find out what some of these things we observed are actually talking about and what God wants us to know from this passage. Lydia. Yeah, so we start out James chapter four with a question. He asks, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? In other versions, it talks about conflicts or wars. So where is all this fighting coming from? James gives us the answer. It's you and it's me. It's our own desires or or passions, as the ESV says. We want something and so we fight for it. We don't get what we want, so then we murder for it. Now, obviously, this is a super extreme example. I doubt any of you have murdered somebody because you didn't get what you wanted for your birthday or something like that. Um, But James is making the point that our hearts are sinful. We are full of desires that are against God. We want our own way. And what's more, remember who James is talking to here. He's talking to Christians. So even as believers, we all have these sinful desires and still in our hearts, we want to do our own thing and pursue our own agendas rather than God's. And these desires can lead to disastrous consequences, whether that's as big and massive as murdering somebody or other really horrible consequences as well. So we see this all around us as we look in the world. We see racial tensions. We see wars all around us. Things online, you just need to go on Twitter and you see dissensions and and fights all the time, quarrels and fights. We see friendships breaking up and families not staying together. And we see it even in our own lives and in our own relationships. There are so many conflicts all around us. And it's really easy for us to say, well, if my circumstances were different, then this wouldn't happen. Or if only that person didn't do such and such, then we wouldn't be in this in this problem. Or if only I had this thing, then I would be happy. But James is saying here, God is saying here in his word that that is not true. That the source of all conflict comes from you. It comes from me and our own heart. The biggest problem is you. It's the sin that is in your life, not the circumstances that are around you. Yeah, so even though there may be circumstances that are genuinely bad and that are not caused by you, it's still our own sin that really is the issue and that really is the problem. So where does that leave us and what is the solution? Well, that's where verses four to 10 come in and that's where we're hopefully gonna spend most of our time. So Simon, you wanna kick us off with that rash statement in verse number four? 
Sure. Uh, goodness, I, you know, listening so far, I think uh, I think James needs to go back and listen to the Connected Podcast episode 11 <laughs> on the use of the tongue because... He's quite harsh here, like, isn't he? Or actually, in reality, he's all, he should just look back at the earlier part of his letter and be like... <laughs> but no, um, you know, he basically starts off by calling uh, believers a bunch of hooligans. Um, and now we get to this idea of adulterous people. You know, we're having a laugh and we're smiling at that. But, you know, there was a reason why James was doing this. It wasn't because he was mean. He actually really loved the people that he was writing to. Um, but sometimes, actually, to, to do something loving, he, he had to be firm and he had to speak straight. And that's what he's doing here. So when we think of this phrase, you adulterous people, what? why is he, why is he basically calling Christians terrible cheaters? Because that's what an adulterer is. Um, but it's really because of what the rest... Um, of the verse says and the rest of the verse tells us that we want friendship with the world as well as with God that's what he was saying to those people that they wanted friendship with the world as well as with God verse 4 lays the groundwork for the solution though we cannot be both friends with the world and with God what does it mean to be a friend of the world it's not talking about friends with unbelievers Um, it's talking about the world as a system the Bible puts the world into two systems or two camps. The world's agenda and God's. They are opposite of each other. They don't pursue the same things. In fact, uh, the world in the Bible represents everything that is anti-God. The world pursues self, self-love, self-fulfillment. My hopes, my dreams, my wants, my career, my comfort. What will build my sense of purpose? Whereas God's system pursues his glory how can i show how great god is how can i honor god in my life what does god want me to do what is pleasing to him and how can i build his kingdom here on earth and so the whole point is you cannot pursue both that's why he calls them adulterous you cannot have your foot in both camps you must be either one or the other we are essentially cheating on God when we try to pursue the things that our culture around us tells us that we should instead of God's purposes. Which then brings us to verse five and it speaks into this as well. So as we alluded to earlier in the what does it say section, we talked about how verse five is a bit of a pickle, um, not just because of the whole cross references, but also because there are two camps um, for its explanation. So as both of these camps um, or explanations are backed up in other places of scripture, or in other words, neither one presents any new or strange doctrine, um, we decided that we're going to go ahead and include both in this section of what does it mean. Um, So the first explanation fits well here and amongst these verses, Um, especially if you're reading these verses or this passage in the authorized King James version of the Bible, then the verse would seem to imply that it's actually talking further about our own human sinful spirits within us. Um, So that when it says spirit, it's not talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about our human spirit that we have and how our, or, or in other words, our heart, um, 
that we talk about um, and how our hearts naturally envy and lust for what we cannot have. So it's just adding to verse four and one to three. And overall, it's saying our own sinful hearts are the problem. So that's the first explanation of verse five. Clearly it's right as well because it's <laughs> King James. <laughs> oh dear. We've got our King James lover here in the corner. <laughs> King James is great. We're not dishing on the King James. Um, but so that's that's one camp of the explanations there. Um, and so then if we think about that and we connect this to the previous verses um, or putting all of this in context, our fights are caused by our wants to be satisfied outside of God. So we can sum up these verses one to four like this. Why do we fight? We fight because of the desires in our hearts. And instead of looking to God to satisfy these desires, we look to things and people around us to satisfy them. And then we're unhappy when they don't because they can't. Our constant fight to fill our own desires drives us to more conflict within and without. So how do we fix this problem? God gives us a solution. The solution is to draw closer to him. But think about it for a minute. James just called these adulterous people, people who cheated on God. Why would God want us to come closer to him? If your boyfriend or girlfriend cheated on you, then the last thing that you would want is for them to draw close to you, to come and spend a bunch of time with you. You'd want them to go far away to never see them again. But God is different. And that brings us to the second explanation of verse five, that it's describing the jealousy of God for us. Now, the jealousy of God is a really big topic that we can't cover in full today. It may sound negative, but it's not. It's an attribute of God that we see all throughout scripture. It ultimately comes down to the fact that God created us and we were made for him and we were made by him. Our entire purpose is wrapped up in God. And when we become Christians and we're followers of Christ, the Bible says that we are part of his body. And God's jealousy is a longing for what is rightfully his. It's not a longing out of necessity or a neediness. He doesn't need us. The scripture is super clear on that. But as believers, God gives us his spirit to live within us, to guide us, to empower us. And God is longing for us to be all he has created us to be. So again, when we're thinking about verse five and the two different explanations of what it could mean, Neither explanation is unbiblical or, and neither drastically change the meaning of the passage. Both concepts, whether it's saying that the jealousy of God for his people um, or the sinful envy of our hearts, they're both well supported throughout scripture and in other passages. So something that I might say is, why not both? Why not take both of these explanations on board and help us to understand scripture and understand what the passages are saying? So, Instead of looking to the world to satisfy our desires, God tells us to be humble, to submit to him, to draw near to him. In other words, we need to admit that we need God. We need to admit that we cannot satisfy the desires of our hearts, not with boyfriends, not with girlfriends, not with perfect families, all the tech in the world, a million followers on social media, and none of that will satisfy us. We must look to God alone to satisfy your heart. Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, we move we move on to the next part, and again, I kind of smile as I read these things. I, I don't know how it ended up. I get all the when James is just uh, 
just dishing out everything on these people. <laughs> um, but again, we do we do we smile at these things. But again, it is important to stress. You know, James really loved these people, and he was he was really he was he was he was saying these things for a reason. So it says, "Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned uh, to mourning, and your joy to gloom." Again, this seems really harsh, but really, what it really is, it's a call to repentance, and that's a good thing. The call is to realize and to grieve over the sinfulness of your sin. That's what James wants them to do. That's what James is challenging us to do. The phrase double-minded refers back to the earlier verses about trying to be friends with God and still pursue the things in the world. And as we said then, you can't do both. We like to think that we can just say sorry and be done with it, but repentance is often a bigger deal. It's realizing that we have wronged our holy God. How we have cheated on him in our relationship with him and taking time to acknowledge that to him. And the wonderful thing is that God gives a promise with these instructions. He tells us to repent and to to grieve over our sin. But he also says to draw near to him. He doesn't tell us to to stay in that that sad place. He tells us to come in our sadness to him. And then listen to this. He says, he will draw near to you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. So it can be really easy to get stuck in the repentance side. And it's not to say that repentance isn't what God wants. Obviously it is. He wants us to grieve over our sin, but he wants us to grieve over our sin with him because he promises to come close to us in that moment and to lift us up and to teach us. It reminds me a lot of what the Lord Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. I'm not going to read the verses for time, but if you want to look them up, he says um, and tells us to come to him, all who are weary and heavy laden, everybody who has sin and is trying to do things our own way, and he will give us rest. And he says he is a gentle teacher. That's something that is so hard for my mind to grasp because I just know and we all know that we deserve to just be smacked upside the head and and so much worse because of what we have done and and relation to God and our relationship with him. And yet he's kind to us and how he teaches us. And he says, you will find rest for your souls. So it's a reminder that ultimately we find rest when we find our rest and satisfaction in God then we find rest and satisfaction that trickles down into the desires that are in our own hearts and in the relationships around us. So let's look at this in our third question or our third section. What is God saying to me? How do we apply this? How do we find this satisfaction in God? And the passage really gives us the answer. It's drawing near to God and repenting of sin. So let's flesh this out a little bit. What does it look like in your life and my life? Lydia, what do you think? 
Yeah, one thing that I've been convicted of, especially recently, um, is how I go to other things, things other than God for satisfaction. Um, Just last Sunday, my pastor asked us two questions in a sermon and they really stuck with me. And the two questions is this, who or what do I love and who or what do I trust? And answering those two questions can help us to see where we go, where we find our satisfaction. So when you think about who or what do you love, think about what thing or person comes to your mind when you first wake up in the morning or as you're falling asleep at night. Who or what occupies your mind when there's nothing else to think about? And here's the one that really gets to me. Who or what do you trust? Where do you run when the going gets tough? Now for me, many times the answer to that second one um, is to entertainment and social media. When I'm having a hard day or week, I just want to numb out my mind. I don't want to think about the things that are troubling me. Um, So where do I run? I go to Netflix (laughs) or I spend way too much time scrolling on Instagram or Facebook. Now, none of those things are inherently wrong or bad. Sometimes it's good and fun to watch a show or to spend time on social media, but that's not the place where we can find our satisfaction. Those things are not worthy of our love and our trust. Only God can satisfy my soul. Only he is worthy of my deepest affections and my complete surrender. So how do I find my satisfaction in him? Well, I can keep an eye out for the times when I'm numbing out the hard things with mindless entertainment. And in those moments, I can draw near to God and ask him to satisfy my soul. Yeah, that's really helpful, Lydia. Um, For me, it's a reminder that we still, uh, that sin still has consequences for uh, followers of Christ. Uh, And it will ultimately lead to dissatisfaction. Uh, and have left unchecked even worse than that. And that's that's a reminder that I needed. However, I'm greatly encouraged as well by these verses because twice James mentions grace. Uh, in verse 6 there specifically talks about how God gives more grace for these moments. And that's such an encouragement to me. Because um, we often get stuck in our sin, don't we? I know I do. And the sadness uh, over over our sin and how it affects our lives but somehow we struggle to draw near to God I think we I I know again for me I I dwell on oh I'm such a terrible sinner that kind of idea that we've talked about before in the podcast that we're not able to just bring that to God and to find that grace that he offers and so for me this is a note to self moment don't live in the prison cell of sin that God by his grace has already opened and set you free from God alone can satisfy. And so I must draw near to him, not to earn his favour, but rather to find the purpose and satisfaction he alone created me for. That's really good, Simon and Lydia. And I think mine just kind of at, like jumps off that um, because it's, it's very similar. Um, I've been reading a lot in my devotions about this idea um, or not this idea, it is a real thing, Um, but this teaching of repentance and coming to God, um, sin naturally makes us want to hide. And I think it's really hard for me to be humble. I know it's really hard for me to be humble and come to God when I see the places in my life where I don't pursue him or his agenda. And I have this thought that I want to pull myself together first and kind of hold on to it or, or like, 
oh, if I just read my Bible four times this week or, you know, whatever, then I can come to God and and tell him when I've done something wrong, kind of trying to clean myself up first. And the whole process of repentance just can make me feel so anxious um, about it. But this passage is so clear that God's desire for me, for us, is to come to him with our brokenness, with our sinful desires, in those sinful places. That repentance is coming to God and acknowledging those things. It's not acknowledging them, trying to fix it, and then coming to him. And it's really humbling that God doesn't just take away all of my sinful desires in an instant, but he's slowly making me more like him through the process of coming to him. So if that's you and you have a similar struggle to all three of us, then know that you're not alone in that struggle. And a challenge maybe to me and to us is to ask God to help us to be aware when we're trying to hide from him and when we're trying to fill his place in our lives with something else, whether that's Netflix or social media or friends or whatever it is. So asking him to help us be aware of that and then being intentional to set aside time every day to specifically talk with God about where we have failed him, where I have failed him, and to ask for his help. And when we're doing this, this is humility. This is finding our satisfaction in God because it's regularly coming to him and asking for his help and forgiveness and acknowledging that really, Lord, nothing else can satisfy my heart other than you. Um, that's a wrap on our podcast episode here today. Um, thank you for listening to the connected podcast. We want you to go and study the Bible on your own. So please read James chapter five for next week. Now, next week will be our last week in the book of James. So you definitely don't want to miss it. So sad. I know, sad day. Uh, we're nearing the end of season one here, but we still got some episodes to go, so don't tune out yet. Try using the three questions we use as you study, or if there's another um, study method that you find helpful for the Bible, do it. Study your Bible and connect with us on what you're learning and how you're studying it on our social media page. We love to hear about that and learn from you. So we hope you enjoyed uh, joining us for this week's episode. Tune in next time. We'll be dropping new episodes every Monday and Friday, as always, until this season ends on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Don't forget to connect with us on social media using at connected.podcast. The Connected Podcast is brought to you by Child Evangelism Fellowship of Britain. Though our opinions are our own and they don't necessarily represent the organization or individuals or any others that we might mention. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next time.